Welcome to another episode of the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brandon. Thank you all for stopping by and listening today. I appreciate it. Please subscribe, download, like wherever you are listening to this podcast, rate, review, looking for just more traction, refer us to your friends, all the things. We're continuing to bring you this awesome fantasy football analysis from other awesome fantasy football content creators that are out there. This week, we're shifting some gears here, bringing on some Dynasty talk into the fold, just recapping the combine with two very special guests from the SGP network. We have Dave Heilman and Bradley Stickler joining me. We're going to talk about what happened at the combine. Dave was actually in attendance at the combine with the media, so he gives us some insight on the players that were there, what they were like, what the buzz was like, and it's all around a good time. We get into the weeds of just fantasy-relevant rookies that are up and coming in this draft, and who looks good? What do we see? A lot of Anthony Richardson talk in this episode. It, It was just It was the topic that was most pressing coming off the combine because it's almost as if he is now the top prospect, at least in my opinion, from a fantasy football standpoint with his measurables. So that being said, as always, we're brought to you by Phantom Sports Industries. Join us at phantomsportsindustries.com for all your sports section needs on the internet. We have stories about your favorite leagues. It's March Madness this week. It's starting. The madness is here, so look for stories on college basketball um hope your bracket doesn't get busted too soon and yeah as always fandomsportsindustries.com it's a good time also for our guests please follow them on twitter and we'll we'll give them shouts out at the end but i've been watching their sgp and fantasy football channel and they've been given some really insightful tips and tricks uh on different player profiles and college standouts so check them out as well while you're checking out phantom sports industries so without further ado i'm going to hit this intro and dave and brad will join me on the other side Joining me on the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast today, we have a couple of awesome guests from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We have Brad Lee Stickler. Brad, how are you doing today? And we have Dave Heilman. Dave, how's it going? Yeah, it's going well, man. Good. It's That's good. good. That's good. So I stumbled into your guys' content. Um, I just I I just scoured Twitter for other fantasy content creators and i found your guys content i've been looking for some draft profiles in general just to sink my teeth into because essentially what happened i'm a big college football fan but i had a daughter that got born in the middle of the season and after october happened i kind of fell off the wagon a little bit and i could only watch my badgers so i am just kind of absorbing some of this for the first time like i didn't know what a taijay spears was until like two weeks ago and I feel like an idiot because after watching some tape on him I'm like 
holy smokes, this dude is one of the craftiest and creative runners I've ever seen. And I have just been under a rock with it. And I was even playing fantasy college football. So I, I feel like a fool. But you know what? I feel like throughout this pre, throughout this pre-draft process, we're all discovering new guys we didn't even know existed um, until this past weekend with the combine and everything. So Dave, you were actually at the combine. So I'm just going to tee it off right here. Seldom I get a guest that's actually boots on the ground. So can you just tell me about the combine and what your experience was like? Yeah. So for the combine, I got to be part of the media. And so the way it works is uh, there's nine players at a time. They each go to a podium and it's speed dating. You get 20 minutes to ask them as many questions as you want. And it's a feeding frenzy out there. Of course, your higher level players like Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson and TJ Stroud, they're packed and there's a ton of people. And then some of your other guys, um, there's not many, you know, many people get given them questions. You know, I, what I did from a fantasy standpoint, I did not go up and ask them about fantasy football. I don't want to get kicked out of the place. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to know what teams have you talked to? What are some players that you're training with or you model your game off of? And, you know, what I was able to learn are there's a lot of commonalities as far as the teams that are meeting with running backs, um, the New Orleans Saints, the Houston Texans, um, the Minnesota Vikings, all those teams are meeting with uh, running backs, also the Eagles and the Cowboys. Um, and a lot of those, you know, a lot of people that went to the Senior Bowl, they get to meet with everybody. And those are like called informal interviews. And then when you go to the combine, you have all these interviews, but they're all kind of informal but if sure. you want to use like a formal interview, you only have like so many of them and they have to be 15 minutes. And so um, some specific players like Jameer Gibbs, he met with the Cowboys and the Eagles. The Eagles was a formal Cowboys was a formal and they asked him any particular questions. And he said uh, that stood, stood out. He said the Cowboys made him uh, play darts against somebody. And then uh, the Eagles made him shoot uh, basketball against somebody um competitiveness kind of thing um and then a lot of the running backs especially the smaller running backs Devin A. Chain um Keaton Mitchell um Deuce Vaughn they talked about how uh pass protection was something that they were you know the the running back coach would give them a uh you know um, a pass pro and they would have to repeat it and teach it back to them hmm all good stuff there. And just that's the inside baseball that we don't really get to see. And also just like how the sausage is made leading to draft day, generally speaking. I Now, of course, like these guys, they have other interviews. They get stuff through their aid, fed through their agents too all the time. It just Indianapolis is the hub for all things football in the NFL, the, you know, last week in particular. And uh, honestly, the coverage was really great on NFL Network. I I can't say enough good things about Daniel Jeremiah. He always leaves me wanting more or telling me something that I, I didn't know before, just from a scouting standpoint. These guys just crunch film all day, every day. And gosh, uh, get, an, get your blue light glasses if you're those guys, because they must be bleeding out of their eyeballs by the time they've been watching 12 hours of film. But that's what you just got uh, to do for that kind of job. So, um, Brad, what what stood out for you this past weekend looking at the Combine? Um, probably the same way that most of us were. Um, I'm not sure if you got to watch much of it or if you caught the clips. But, yeah, what were your overall thoughts? 
So I've got three quick ones. The first is just the overall speed at the combine. The overall speed at the combine was pretty impressive this season. You have a bunch of those smaller, undersized wide receivers, and you saw a lot of them run really fast 40s. They produced what we were hoping kind of they would, the Jalen Hyatts of the world, things like that. Uh, I think the second one is Chase Brown, for me, was under the radar. He is now officially on the radar, right? Led running backs in the bench, led running backs in the three-cone, ran a 4-4-3-40, and, you know, guys weren't really talking about him a ton. And now I think he's officially on the board. All of those things kind of really most likely pole vaulted him up quite a bit. And then the last one is going to be, I'm, I'm going to be the Debbie Downer of, of the podcast right now, and that is Anthony Richardson breaking the combine. I get it. He broke the combine. That does not mean that what you watch on film magically goes away, right? So just simmer down a little bit. And from a dynasty perspective, be careful, right? Because you're going to start paying way more than what you were two weeks ago in a, in a dynasty uh, rookie draft. So you, you better be sure that landing spot matters. The opportunity is going to matter. The coaching staff is going to matter who the quarterback coach is, uh, all of those things. So, you know, don't let the combine sway you so much to where you leapfrog Anthony Richardson over all of these guys, or you put chase Brown at your RB three or something crazy like that but they definitely should be moving around in your tiers. Uh, and from the quarterback perspective, just just be careful with Anthony Richardson. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Wise words. Heed that advice, kids. Anthony Richardson, I'm not saying he's fool's gold, but there's we have to see where he lands even. Like, I'm very I'm, – I'm treating it with kids' gloves right now. We've had – in, in our little media bubble over here at Phantom, the Anthony Richardson conversations have been going on hot and heavy. And we have been talking about him already, like potentially going sixth to Detroit at the earliest and even falling as far as Seattle in terms of the best case scenario for him. Because honestly, he's the shiny new toy and he definitely rose up draft boards with his performance. I w I, w- I want to see him get behind an experienced veteran in particular, just because there's some of those technical routes that he just wasn't as accurate. And Dave, you can probably speak to that. Just watching those 20 yard outs that CJ Stroud was just hitting perfectly every time. Anthony Richardson was not as polished. I'm. Were you watching that drill? Cause that one really intrigued me. Yeah, I mean, and you just look at the tape. I mean, you see it all over his tape mm-hmm. where he's, you know, he's spraying the ball. Um, and a lot of that's dealing with, you know, sloppy footwork. And um, he's going to have to be rebuilt from the ground up. Uh, I will say this. Um, if you were in the comp, you were in the stadium, you're not really supposed to cheer when things happen. Sure. The place was going wild for this guy. And so all the owners – are looking at the coaches going, this dude's going to sell tickets. And, and I know yep. that's not what we're here for, but we know that these owners get it. We've all seen draft day movie. And so, um, you know, everybody was going nuts over this guy. And I, I'll say this, his podium 
was, I mean, all the quarterbacks were pretty stacked and they actually had him back to back to back at podium one, but his, his podium was stacked and everybody was going crazy over this guy. And that was before the workout and um, looking at them, like being able to walk next to these guys, this guy does not look like a quarterback. He looks like a tight end and he was bigger. He's bigger than Michael Mayer. He's, you know, he's a little smaller than Darnell Washington, but like Bryce Young, he was in there with like the running backs as far as size and some of the receivers. Um, CJ Stroud and and Will Levis both were tall guys. Hennon Hooker was a tall guy. Those guys were all kind of like you're in the middle um, where Young was small. Richardson was huge, with a massive head. And uh, <laughs> then you got, uh, you know, Will Levis and CJ Stroud and, and Hennon Hooker are all you can tell they're quarterbacks, you know, six foot three, yeah. six foot four. So Anthony Richardson, safe to say, best comp, Cam Newton. Yeah, um, you know, Cam Newton's a pretty good one for the size and and with all the uh, mechanical, you know, concerns and things like that. But as what far about as play? fantasy, as far as fantasy, about, oh sure, yep. Yeah, as far it. as like this is all about fantasy. Yep. He's got, I mean, he probably does have the highest floor out of this group. You're looking at someone like Jalen Hurts type of a ceiling where this guy and granted, like three months ago, I was like, yeah, well, you know, Jalen Hurts can't throw 40 touchdowns a year. And, you know, he ended up doing that, but they, you know, and so a lot of people in the, you know, talking about how the Colts organization just picked the Philly, you know, offensive coordinator. He's the one that Helped put all this together with Hertz. Um, you know, he also worked with Philip Rivers, so he's had success with two different style of quarterbacks. Daniel Jeremiah likes C.J. Stroud with Steichen in in Indianapolis, but a lot of people are putting, you know, hey, if he can do that with Jalen Hurts, then can he do that with Anthony Richardson? It's it's yeah. totally different, though. I mean, if you look at Jalen Hurts's profile at Alabama and Oklahoma, he put some good things on tape throwing the football. Right, right. There's a whole big difference between what you could look at statistically speaking and just from an arm talent perspective, other than, oh, the guy can throw 70 yards down the field. Uh, to, you know, to compare the two, I just I think it's apples and oranges. Absolutely. And I, I'm going to be diving into Anthony Richardson's film more because I just, I need to see how much of it was. Because apparently, like he didn't have a positive like touchdown to interception ratio until like the middle of the season. So I, what I want to know is how much of it was Anthony Richardson's decision making. How much of it was um, maybe Florida's offensive situation? What kind of situation was Billy Napier putting him into? And I don't know how that'll translate from a fantasy perspective. Obviously, he's definitely. With the rushing potential, fantasy relevant? Absolutely. But as a matter of when now will he be fantasy relevant as opposed to, as opposed to, is he going to get on the field? Is he going to get groomed properly? Is That's oh. what I'm questioning. Because once he starts taking those hits in the NFL, it's a, it's a different, yeah, he played in the SEC, but those hits come a little bit different in the NFL, so. Yeah, draft, draft capital in the NFL relates very heavily to draft capital in dynasty yeah. leagues. And even if he goes to Seattle behind Geno Smith, who just signed a three-year deal, he will still go high. We saw this with Trey Lance. Some people p- took Trey Lance over Justin Fields. 
when Justin Fields behind Andy Dalton had a much clearer path. And a lot of it has to do with they see the Konami code quarterback, they see the rushing upside, and they are all over it. Don't get me wrong. Justin Fields was, you know, he's just as good. If not, he's not just as good, he's a better rusher than Trey Lance. Sure. But you all like if you see Richardson go to, to Atlanta at eight or Carolina at nine or even higher, Indianapolis at four, he's gonna he's gonna be a, a top three, top four super flex dynasty pick. He might already 10, be there. I agree with that. Yeah, he might. I mean, I've already been looking at him at the 106 in my particular league just because of the upside potential. Because he's going to be one of those guys, if he's going to be profitable from a fantasy standpoint, it's going to be early and often in his career. Um, especially if he goes to one of those teams that is in demand of a quarterback and a quarterback services. Like It could very much be a, a Justin Fields situation where all of a sudden... You know, they bring a vet in and then, boom, he's he's on by week four or five just because they like what they see. Uh, I don't like it. I want to see him mature into the full product that he has potential to be. He's just oozing with potential. But that rawness is just something that owners and GMs just crave. So, ugh, man, when you brought the owner element in it, Dave, that just I, – I was, I, was, I was affectionately keeping that, like, out of, out of frame – for me, but now that you're bringing it back in, yeah, I, I need to watch that film more. Yeah, it's it was the the effect that he had was interesting, and he's he was a very likable guy. I mean, he was going around the, the you know having some fun with the media, um, saying hi to everybody, um, taking selfies. I mean, this this guy was and he did handle the um, the interview well. Like some of these guys are a little bit more well spoken than others. And some of these guys are a little bit shy. Um, he's got an outgoing personality. He's a, he's a smart guy, um, and uh, I, I think there's a lot of a lot of people that really liked him this uh, this weekend. He he did a nice job with Mariucci's uh, draw the play. Also, if you watch that clip, he d- he did a really nice job going back and and uh, talking about a play that that Mooch brought to him and said, "Hey, you used to run this in the red zone. Walk me through your thought process, your processing of it." And then he introduced him to a play that he ran as the 49ers head coach, and he was able to reproduce that. So it does seem like maybe he's got uh, the processing, at least on paper or on the board, to get through that stuff. It's just a matter of maybe we don't necessarily see it translate to the field just yet. Sure. has to translate with his feet and, you know, between the ears when the when the bullets are flying. I agree. That's a good way. Good analysis for sure. All right. Um, and not to lose shine on the other quarterbacks, but I just felt like this was such a big topic um, to shine on because I just I hadn't been thinking about Anthony Richardson at all until about a couple weeks ago when everybody was mentioning his name. So let's just touch on the other quarterbacks real quick. Um, who, did, who did you like the most out of the group? I, I thought Stroud threw an incredible ball all day uh, on Saturday. His throws were just money every time i'll take the stroud one uh i thought he i think he's the safest player in this draft if you draft bryce young as much as as good as he is everywhere and you can always say you know he did it in the sec so why would it be a problem in the nfl yeah um it's still an outlier um you're looking at uh cj stroud as i think the safest and the best thrower in this class 
And Daniel Jeremiah said it best. He said, as a scout saying is, if you do it one time, you can do it. And as far as the rushing ability, they've always said like that was kind of a um, not uh, not not part of his game. When the biggest game of the year for Ohio State last year happened, he pulled that bag and he showed that he's got that in his in his bag. And uh, I mean, if he can do both things, he's gonna be dangerous because he's the best passer in the class. Okay. That lines up with everything I've been thinking about him, especially, you know, watching so much of his, watching so many of his games being in Big Ten country. Just, we've been watching him a long time. Same with Bryce Young, too, it feels like, though, just because of how accessible Alabama games are. Just, it'll be interesting to see how they translate to the next level. So, I'm anxious to see it, how it goes. But this Anthony Richardson is just burning a hole in my head right now. Just the, it is just an, unexpected variable that now we have to factor in so all right let's switch positions i really liked uh brad what you were saying about chase brown i agree he was you know he had been putting up some really great numbers at illinois and very very mature guy for sure and his production in college is right on track with where you want to be leading into just coming into the NFL because yeah, he had over 300 rushing attempts this season, but it seems like he hasn't worn all the tread off the tires, even though we know that his head coach is kind of the ground and pound guy in college. I guess just how do we see him translating to the next level? And I know that we we can touch on Bijan and Gibbs, but I just I liked what you called out with Chase Brown there in particular. Yeah, I I think the guy needs to be looked at more. You know, I, I think because of the Illinois and we talk about helmet scouting all the time, and then we justify, oh well, their level of competition is lesser than what you see in the other Power Five conferences. So you take it all with a grain of salt. Well, okay, let's go take a look at some of his big games, right, against some of those heavy hitter. Uh, uh, teams. He ran for 140 yards against Michigan State, right? Oh, I mean, that's a pretty solid game, right? You just look at those, and even when the level of competition was there against the Illinois uh, team this year, he still played very, very well, right? Uh, Like I said, Michigan, 140 yards. Michigan State, 130 yards. Minnesota, 180 Iowa, who always has a good defense, 146 yards. It's just game after yeah. game after game. I think he had one game this year that was less than 100 yards. Um, so I, Northwestern and, and Purdue, yeah. Yeah, so that was I, it. early on, you know, later on in the season. So I, I like the guy. I think there's a world where he's probably, you know, to me he's probably that mid to late second round draft pick in rookie drafts. You're not going to try to take him at the back end of the first or anything like that. There's too many good players there. Uh, But I do think opportunity is a big thing for him, right? He's got this, he's got decent size, 5'11". I I forget what he came in at. I know beforehand he was 205. I don't know what he actually weighed in at. Um, but he's got that requisite size that you're looking for. He can do everything as a runner. He's got the speed now, right? That was not a question mark. We thought he was going to run fast, but I don't think anybody thought he was going to run four four three fast necessarily. 
Um, and all of those things, if you fall into a situation like, let's say, Minnesota doesn't re-sign Alexander Madison, and he's the backup in Minnesota behind Dalvin Cook. I think that's a really good opportunity. Dalvin Cook misses a couple games a year. And if he can show out there, they're out of Dalvin Cook's contract next year. He might find himself in a starting type situation, right? A la you look at Tyler Algier this year with Atlanta. Cordell Patterson goes down and they never turned around and looked back after Algier took over. So I, I think there's there's a couple really nice landing spots that I'd like to see him go to that could really project him moving forward. And those are the guys that have staining power. And that's what you're looking for with a dynasty running back. You're looking for somebody that's going to produce production for multiple seasons. And, you know, one of my guests that I have regularly on the show said that, like, the running back position is only going to get younger and younger every year based on the way things are trending. And we're going to be talking about running back regression for some of these guys like maybe middle of the season for some of their careers, looking out into the future of the way the league is trending. And you hate to see it, but that's just going to incentivize some of these guys to start going to the league younger and younger at the running back position. So um, that's just a trend that I've been noticing, at least. I don't know if you guys can speak to that at all, but it it's just seems to be an occurrence that I'm that I'm keeping my eye out for the next three to five years, especially. So talking about some of the other running backs here. Uh, this is a deep class of running backs. Yeah. Um, you don't have a lot of bigger backs. Um, Roshan Johnson, Zach Charbonnet, or, or, you know, they're probably the bigger guys. Tavian Thomas ran really slow. Um, you know, like they, like Garrett, not like Garrett, Blunt, like Garrett Blunt was kind of the way that people said, like, he could be that kind of a guy. Um, but again, that's a pretty outlier, like 4.68. It's pretty high. Um, I will say, like, when you guys look at 40s, they do have a weight adjusted 40s. And that sure. does give you a good measurement of like the 200 pound guys versus the 215 versus the 225 pound guys. Um, and we did, we saw a lot of guys not run the 40. Um, which really was yeah, disappointing. That, that was interesting because I, but I understand why I, I don't think at running back it's as big of a factor. It's yeah, it's not as big a factor as if some of these other positions, uh, I mean, they have benchmarks that they want to hit. Like you don't want a running back. That's, that's over 4.55. You, you, you know, just cause someone ran a 4.3 doesn't mean that they're, you know, going to change that much. Um, but like you'd like to see them do like some of the guys didn't do the vertical, didn't do the broad jump. And like those things are there to measure like how explosive you are. And so to not see those from some big guys was was like a, a frustrating because you have this cluster of backs. You have Bijan Robinson is the undisputed champ. He's the number one running back and it's not even close. Then you have Jameer Gibbs, who is a smaller back who is, you know, could be projected to be more of a, like at like a good a good story for him would be like an Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, That's where they're getting they've been they're saying getting, they're 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 not getting that three hundred touches a year, but they're getting a high volume of targets, and targets are worth more than carries for fantasy. Um, but you did have a lot of these guys like Israel Abinaconda, he you know he Kendra Miller, Zach Evans. You could have saw a lot more from them, and so I think them not running the forty 
allowed the other guys to move up. Um, one guy that I, I'll say is that, like a, a guy who's disappointed. I thought Kenny McIntosh was going to look better, and he didn't look as much as far as like he was kind of the pass catching guy in at Georgia. And a lot of scouts said this guy's going to be really fun. He's going to be a guy that looks a lot better in the NFL than he did in college because he'll be used more. It just didn't look that way. Um, you know, Chase Brown looked good. Um, Zach Charbonnet looked good. Um, Ty J. Spears, he just consistently shows up as a top five in every single category. And he nailed the interview. I mean, you would have thought that there was like a comedian at his podium. He had oh, everybody sure. just cracking up, just cracking up. He was just a funny guy, very personable. And like, uh, like uh, D- Dwayne McBride. So Dwayne McBride goes by Debo now. And so I, I tried to talk to him and he gave me like two or three word answers. I was like, is there something about you that people need to know? And he was like, I can catch. And I was like, all right, um, your name, it <laughs> says Debo and not Dwayne. And he's like, that's my dad's name. And I'm like, somebody help me out. Like somebody else asked questions because I'm dying out here. And then I go over and I ask the same question. I, I ask uh, um, Ty J Spears. I'm like, yo, how many teams did you meet with? And he was like, man, I, I don't even know. Let me think about it. And he was like, I met with a ton of teams. He's like, I met with about 20 teams. I met with everybody at the Senior Bowl, but I had like four or five formals. And, and he was like, all right, um, Philly. Yeah, he was like thinking about it. I asked, I asked Debo McBride who he met with. And he was like, I'd rather not talk about that. It's so interesting the mannerisms that they go into this with. It's it's truly and we got to remember we're talking about like guys that are fresh out of college. Like I remember me at 21 to 23 like it's it's the people that you're around that you're going to portray yeah. your image as. So that's just that's what the agents and the people around them are telling them. It's like I don't know. I, I feel like that's the opportunity to be yourself. And it, it's some guys that, that do whatever. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I don't know I mean, what I'm going at with that point, but you know what I mean? Like it, nah, it, you're, it was, you're very impressionable at that age. Yeah. And, and like I said, nothing against McBride. Cause I, I re, he's yeah. one of my top backs. He's actually number five with Daniel Jeremiah. Um, and he didn't catch the ball a lot. Cause that offense didn't need him to. And he ran for 156 yards a game. So, I mean, he didn't need to, you know, there's not saying he can't, but he definitely wanted to tell people he can. Um, and some people, like I said, maybe it's not that they're being uh, short. They're being, they're just maybe more reserved. And uh, Tajay Spears is not like, he's got a, he's, he's going to be a, a commentator when he's done with this. Cause he was, he was a talker. Tajay Spears, kind of the likes of, uh, the, guy, the two guys on the NFL Plus side of it, uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. That's that when I turned on the Tajay Spears film for the first time, it, it it screamed Aaron Jones with a couple more flares of creativity that I didn't even see, like or even fathom a running back trying to do the way that he makes the first guy miss in that little dip move where he like he goes down, but he figured out a way to like touch the ground but not actually be down by contact i've never seen a guy get away with that like it's some of the most creative running i've seen and he was doing it against usc which had to have been huge for his draft stock that bowl game a lot of guys 
you know, not playing in bowl games for some of these mid-major schools, if you have the opportunity to play in one of those top tier bowls, that's a, that's a spotlight that you, you that's film that you can put on for the nation. And boy, did he show out in that game in particular? I don't know. Ty J Spears. I saw your guys profile on him in particular, and I, I don't know what you all think of him, but he, I, his, his whole story, the, the, the ACL and knee issues, just bouncing back from that, that, it's pretty impressive yeah, we, stuff. We did his profile a little early. It was before the weigh-ins, I believe. Okay. But at the, se- at the senior bowl, he came in 204, which we were not expecting him to, to gain that much weight. Didn't look like, you know, he, he was he was pushing 190 on the tape. But at 204, especially considering there's a lot of guys under that 210 mark. So you want your running backs to really be over 215. And – like there's not a lot. Bijan Robinson came in at 210. And wow. so like he was lighter than expected. You know, there wasn't a lot of 220. Like Najee Harris wasn't in this class. You know, like that's that was unexpected. Um, and so it really, you know, kind of lessened the gap between him and the other guys. And like you said, he's just explosive. He's good in the in the receiving game. The only reason that if he falls in this draft is because something's up with his medical, you know, you see him, you know, he's the best available running back and and round three wraps up and he's still on the board next morning. Ian Rapishit, he's going to be on there going, Hey, just got word from, you know, the combine. There was some, you know, some concerns about, cause he's had two, two, two ACL tears, same knee. And so, um, you know, anytime you have, ACL surgery, there's the risk of scar tissue or, you know, degenerative kind of stuff. That'd be the only thing that can, because personality wise, this guy stole the show and, and by his performance at the senior bowl, putting on weight, he's literally like not checking the boxes. He's putting stars. Like he's absolutely killing the off season. All right, Brad pound for pound. Who are we going to be talking about at the running back position? come time training camp like who are we who are we seeing emerging as a starter wherever they're drafted and like we think they're going to be the Damian Pierce Brees Hall whatever we saw from the rookie class this year uh, I I'm just curious from your perspective the guy that just moved to my RB2 on Thursday I believe I moved him Zach Charbonnet the running back out of UCLA, he can do everything. He's got the requisite size. He was he ran slow, if you want to call it that, a four five three. Okay. I'm okay with that, right? I don't. He's not a burner. That's never been his game anyway. But he's got vision. He's got contact balance. He was highly touted. He he can catch the ball. You saw all of these numbers improve even when he moved to to UCLA from a receptions perspective and a yardage perspective, uh, over a thousand yards rushing both years, 1300, just over a thousand and then 1300, I think the, the following year, I just, he can do everything. He is a three down running back and go in, you know, into the off season. If you watch our stuff, I think I had him at RB four and he's just sure. slow. Cause I had Zach Evans at three and, and Zach Evans for me has plummeted. You know, I talked to Dave about the draft and, and yeah. or the the combine and hearing that that nobody was at the podium really wanting to talk to Zach Evans. That tells me the the industry 
knows something about him or doesn't like something or doesn't need to ask him anything. Uh, and, and that kind of plummeted him down my board a little bit. And, and I, with Jameer Gibbs coming in under 200, I'm okay vaulting, uh, Zach Charbonnet who can have a three down skill set to number two. Sure. Couple of thoughts that I'm going to give about this running class, running back class. And I don't know if, if you can, you can, you can discredit me with this, but I think from the combine, I felt like I saw the next Austin Eckler with the size comparisons that were going to be coming out of this draft class. I feel like we saw a couple new versions of Darren Sproles, Tyreek Cohen's, James White types, you know, the smaller, faster guys. There's just, there was, it, it was an abundance of them. I don't know which one it's going to be in particular, if it's Deuce Vaughn, A Chain, but there were a lot of small, speedy, just quick dudes that were running around the field. I hope that we see some of these guys returning punts next season. I think that'd be really cool just to really see how how fast they kind of are and how they can move in space in particular, especially Deuce Vaughn. I know uh, J.J. Zacharyson was talking a lot about Deuce Vaughn a couple weeks, couple days ago. And so, I mean, his numbers in college at K-State were, were pretty good. Last guy I want to touch on, Evan Hull. I watched him quite a bit at Northwestern. Northwestern had a fairly subpar year, but he he can really be an asset to a team kind of underrated like Chase Brown uh you know like you were saying we look at the helmet as as opposed to the production of the player and what he was used for i just saw him used for a lot of good things despite the subpar season northwestern had this year i mean you could say the same with bijan at texas it wasn't like texas was winning national championships either but it's the helmet that you see when you're looking at the longhorns which ups his stock exponentially something about that burnt orange i don't know what it is but in austin they love it i guess all right let's move on to wide receivers here i i know there were some dudes out here and i'm a big josh downs quinton johnson fan i, I like jordan addison and zay flowers as well but i just they didn't jump off the page as as much to me and i'm not sure dave you what you were seeing there on the ground from the wide receivers perspective, but I've just felt feel like I've seen more on film with this group than what they can do in the underwear Olympics of the combine. Yeah. I mean, we expected this class to be a little faster because of how small they are. Sure. And we didn't see that. Um, Jalen Hyatt, I'd say is, much closer to the wide receiver one than he was at the end of the college football season. Um, People really like speed. And so we saw, you know, you saw Henry Ruggs drafted ahead of Jerry Judy. You saw um, what uh, Jalen Waddle as the first, you know, actually second after Jamar Chase. We saw Jalen Waddle taken above CD Lamb and some really good, receivers speed is is an element that everybody wants and you can't coach so um Jalen Hyatt I think is someone that's going to get very high draft stock um Zay Flowers adding weight and Jordan Addison not is definitely interesting um I still am going to hold Addison I'm gonna have him higher but Zay Flowers I was, you know, I'm sitting there. I'm talking to the, I'm a Giants fan. So I'm talking to the Giants sure. guys, and so like, 
they're from giants.com and they're like, man, we don't need another shrimp. So they're like Josh Downs didn't tank Dell. No, thanks. And, uh, then they were, they were more intrigued by Zay flowers after he put on some weight and, uh, Zay flowers, um, people like I, I was listening to people like prepping their reporters and a lot of people had Zay flowers as their number three guy, not Quentin Johnston, not Jalen Hyatt. It was Jordan Addison, JSN. And then it was Zay flowers. Yeah, that's, that's been the common, that's been the common one for sure. Brad, where do you see this receiver class in particular? I'm a little down on them, to be honest. Uh, I, I mean, there are some prospects there in Zay Flowers and JSN and Addison and Quentin Johnston. You know, those guys that are I, I like, but I just don't compare them to some of the previous classes. Even the previous, like not thinking about what the previous classes have done in the NFL, but just what we saw from them on the field in college, I feel like it's it's just a little different, right? A lot of these guys have one year of solid production, and you're like, Ugh. for me, that's tough, right? I really don't like the you had one breakout year and that's it because, I mean, that could be a fluke. That There's a lot of things that kind of go into that. Now, with all of that being said, I – I think the class is deep enough to where the real value comes is in that mid to late second round when you're looking at guys like a Parker Washington, who I absolutely love. When you're looking at guys like A.T. from Wake Forest, you've got some of these guys that really could be solid NFL producers that you're getting at a discount uh, in the late second, early third round. And I think that's where really the value is going to be. Cause I, I do think you might be disappointed when you go and you take some of these guys and they don't produce for you immediately. I don't think Quentin Johnston helped himself necessarily during the, during the combine. I, I do think with the broad or the, uh, the high jump, that was good. The vertical was good, but other than that, sure. like, you didn't really see what you wanted out of Quentin Johnston. Jordan Addison with his back spasms, that that limited what you saw from him at the Combine. So that didn't help any, especially following the narrative around how he had a down year at USC, which, I mean, that's a whole nother pod in itself because I just don't think that's that's actually the case. But there, it was just kind of underwhelming outside of the speed aspect of things, I think. For sure, yeah. So... I'm a Packers fan, and so unfortunately, as a Packers fan, we get pigeonholed because our uh, our front office only drafts wide receivers that are over six feet and two hundred pounds. So I was looking at the Quinton Johnsons, got Johnstons, the uh, the At Perry's. I like At Perry's production. Those guys run a lot of routes. the The depth of targets that those Wake Forest guys were running to that can bode well for the NFL level in particular. Um, with Sam Hartman slinging that rock, I liked um, I liked Matt Landers. He put up some good stuff, and Trey Palmer as well from Nebraska, ha- coming in with the speed there. Um, that was really cool just to see. Uh, I guess just some guys that I wasn't necessarily expecting. There is value here. I love Grant Dubose's story. That's probably one of the coolest stories. A guy that never even got a shot. Uh, they were talking about it on the network, basically saying one of the guys on Charlotte basically vouched for him, and that's how he got his scholarship. Otherwise, he had been kind of doing the just 
kind of doing the Kurt Warner thing where he was working a lot of just random jobs and then they finally came in with the call, but otherwise just training and hopefully getting a shot. And uh, he, he put up some, he put up some decent numbers in college, but I think he has some more in the tank. And if he gets in the right situation, maybe there's an opportunity there. Um, who knows? And uh, that's just kind of what I saw. I, I guess uh, there's value there, but it's not as strong as it was last year um, from a production standpoint. So I guess, Dave, who are we going to be talking about going into the preseason during training camp? If there's one guy you could draft and just plug in right now to your favorite team or to your fantasy roster, who would it be and why? Uh, I, I I think it's going to be either Jordan Addison or JSN. I, I mean, they're still the top guys. JSN, um, he didn't run the 40, but everything else is extremely impressive. And you're looking, you know, if you're not expecting him to be that ultra athlete. Um, he's just, you know, he's a guy that has enough speed. He is... He's very, you know, very good at recognizing defenses. And then um, I'm not concerned with the weight and things with Jordan Addison. Garrett Wilson's a small guy. Jalen Waddle's yep. not a big guy. Garrett, you know, Garrett Wilson, uh, Monroe St. Brown. Like, you've seen a high success rate from these guys. I think those two guys are going to be, you know, um, but, like, they're none, none of these guys are expected to go in the top 15. And so, like, none of these guys might be wide receiver ones right away. And so anyone expecting that could be a little disappointed. Um, two guys that I'll say are like, you know, one, one guy that's uh, kind of a sleeper. Um, and we got a little funny story with him. It's Rakim, it's Rakim Jarrett. Okay. Um, so God, Rakim Jarrett, it. I was going to uh, mention him. <laughs> oh, so, nah, um, yeah, go ahead. the night, the night before the combine, I get a YouTube notification and it says, uh, I named him Rakim and the pronunciation. And then it said, uh, that's a fair evaluation of my son to one of our, our uh, videos. Oh, nice. And, and uh, um, so I apologized. And actually, five days before, I'd realized it was wrong because I got the NFL communications about the pronunciations. And so I got to speak to Rakim. And I, I didn't have a question lined up. He just kind of looked at me. And I said, Rakim. Uh, I need to apologize to you. Your dad had to correct me on social media that I'm saying your name wrong. And uh, I wanted to give him the opportunity to correct everyone else in the room. Nice. And he, he had a very Terry McLaurin kind of a look to him. He had the beanie on and just a straight okay. face, kind of a kind of a serious guy. And he goes, listen, I, uh, first thing I had to respect is to learn someone's name. And I've had to correct a whole lot of people out here that are saying my <laughs> name wrong. And I was like, well, hey, I wanted to give you the opportunity. And, of course, I want to come go. up to you and, and, as a man, apologize. And he was just like, I appreciate you. And then, you know, we just went on. But um, he had a nice combine. And, uh, yes. like I said, uh, the interview, I was impressed. I thought he was very articulate, very confident guy. And um, and then he showed up on the field and played really well. Uh, I liked I liked him a lot. 4-4-40. And, um, you know, um, he's – you know, he's a smaller guy, but so is half the class. Brad, you got you got anything after that? Anybody that, we should touch on? 
That's my guy. I had mentioned Parker Washington, but right now we're Kim Jarrett. When you're talking about the Packers, I think that's a great landing spot to pair him with Christian Watson, right? That's the type of receiver I look at for the Packers and say, that's what they need. They need that underneath guy and Rakim Jared, who's got some speed. He does have some route running issues. He tends to, to lean into some routes and people can kind of see, cut him off. And he had some drop issues this year, but you got to remember this dude was highly touted coming out. Big time five star. I believe he actually committed to LSU and then backed out and went, you know, decided to stay home at Maryland. And, you know, the tug of Iola experience in in Maryland is just not going well. Uh, So I I think he's a guy that has the the chops uh, that really with a good wide receiver room and a wide receiver coach. Again, the coaching staff matters here. He can really step in and actually play a pretty significant role as a chains mover for a team moving forward. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll give you one last one. That's Xavier Hutchinson. He caught yep. 111 passes last year. If you're looking yeah. for like a Quentin Johnston light, that's your guy. He's a tenacious blocker. He's got good size. He's been an alpha on his team. I don't think he'll step in and be an alpha on a team, but I think you're looking for someone like an Alan Lazard type of a player, like that kind of a guy. But I think he's a little bit more athletic um, and can probably be a little bit better of a, of a receiver. He's not Michael Pittman. But like he's somewhere in between with Lazard and Pittman and having size that a lot of these people don't have in this class. And then a note on Elijah Hodgins. He told me that he's probably going to move to tight end. He's been told by a lot of teams. Um, He said either slot or the tight end. He ran like a four, five, five. He's six, three, 255 pounds from Stanford. Um, Daniel Jeremiah talked about it a little bit on the show. I mean, he's a, He's a big dude, um, and and I think he's got the size already to move in, and he could be a top tight end for sure. And I'll be remiss if we don't talk about Josh Downs, um, just because his coordinator's now with the Badgers, and just watching Josh Downs tape and his production last season was pretty impressive too. So um, that that'd be my one guy that I'd add as kind of the cherry on top to everything you guys are saying. But yeah, good stuff. Like I said, take advantage of the value in the receiver class, especially in the dynasty, you know, <laughs> element. Like you might not even have to draft any of these guys in a rookie draft because a lot of them are probably going to be sitting there potentially. Just, just got to make sure you pick the one that's actually going to produce or just ends up in the right offensive situation, depending on what the coordinator wants out of them or the head coach. Like, so all right, last but not least, um, let's talk about the tight end group. The couple of guys that I was really impressed with um, that don't really that weren't really like the headliners. I really liked what uh, Sam Laporta did and Brendan Strange in particular. They did not miss a catch at all uh, from the film that I was watching, and I f- I find that that's like kind of a great measuring stick is like are you going to catch the easy balls because that's what you have to do and i know that they're not getting the perfect passes but they were are you catching it in stride and does it look natural for some tight ends it looks very unnatural but for some guys that are on top of it they're in motion it's fluid and those are two guys that i was just really impressed with um from that standpoint um i know i'm talking heavy big 10 here 
It's just the conference that I see a lot of in particular, but this is all from me watching the combine. So I was impressed with those two in particular. Um, and then uh, the kid out of Georgia, the big boy. Darnell who, Washington. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if calling him second fiddle to uh, to Brock Bowers is appropriate, but it kind of felt like that. But Darnell Washington really showed up in the combine. He definitely rose his stock. I'm not sure what you guys thought of him in particular, but I feel like he was the story from the tight end room. Brad, you were kind of mentioning him. What What were your thoughts on him in particular? I was high on Darnell Washington early on, okay. right? It, it, I don't know if Dave remembers, but we talked about, uh, you know, the 2023 class back in probably November, December. We had a guest on, uh, Debbie guest, and Darnell Washington I had at my tight end three. Uh, and I think he kind of solidified himself at tight end three there for me. And then four and five starts to move around a little bit. I had Sam Laporta at two, which you talked about him already. I just think uh-huh. that Darnell Washington is what a lot of teams are looking for their tight ends to do right now, which is be that big, tall, seam target, right? You, I don't want you to do a bunch of crazy route running stuff. I want you to be able to block, check. And I want you to be able to tear the seam. And that's exactly what he can do. He's got that size with 6'7". And like you said, he doesn't have the production necessarily. But I don't think it matters who was behind Brock Bowers. They wouldn't have got a chance to do anything. right? So uh, I like the skill set from an all-around to be a three-down tight end for an NFL team. What's his comp, Jelani Woods, or better than that? I think it's better than that. But that's that's it. That's what you've Merce- got to Mercedes, work off of, right? Mercedes Lewis has been the, the comp. Okay. He, he mentioned himself. Uh, I after meeting after seeing him and, and meeting him, I said Ben Wallace. Um, he's <laughs> just he's just a massive dude, and like him walking around amongst the tight ends because they all came in together. And so I got I was out in the lobby and I saw them all piling in, and he just stands out like, but. <laughs> I don't, I just, it's always hard because there's not a lot of like high producing tight ends in college. Like even the top like drafted tight ends in recent memory, Hawkinson and Fant, like they're not putting up like huge production. Um, some of them are, but not a lot. Like Kittle put up very little production. Sure. Um, so it's really hard to project that. I just don't see him as being like, I think he's, it's gonna be hard for him to get the fantasy production because I just see him as he's more of a blocking tight end. He's huge. He's like an extra lineman. Yeah. And um, it's going to be interesting year one, year two, how many routes he runs. Like you might play 99% of the snaps, but if you run 15 routes, you're not going to get a whole lot of fantasy points. And, you know, even if you score a touchdown every, you know, three or four games. Um, so I, I want to say that, but there are teams and Dale and Jeremiah said this. Some teams have Darnell Washington as their, as their tight end one. Interesting. So we really like Musgrave, Mayer, Kincaid to be kind of those future fantasy tight ends. We hope that are the guys that are going to be out there from a snap percentage and just getting those passes and targets. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this. Um, one of the other tight ends that we met with, we, they, we asked him, like, did anybody else stand out at the Senior Bowl? Immediately he was like Luke Musgrave. And Luke Musgrave had just as many people at his podium from a media standpoint as all the other guys. I mean, 
I think he might have had more than Kincaid. I mean, I don't know. It was close. It was, you know, you would have thought Michael Mayer was up there and it was it was Musgrave. So people that didn't know who he was immediately saw the crowd. And uh, but other people mentioned him like a lot of players were mentioning other players. And he's just he's a big dude and he's very athletic. Um, I think he ran pretty well. And he's a guy, you know, you want your you know, you got your Jason Witten types types where they catch the ball and kind of fall down but they'll get a bunch of contested catches and get a, those guys are great. And, and, but they're not Greg Olson, Jeremy Shockey, Travis Kelsey. And so like you want a guy that's going to catch the ball and do something with it. That's Musgrave and Kincaid. And then, you know, um, combat catch is what they call for mayor. I mean, he's a combat catch guy. He goes up and gets it. He's a very physical guy, blocks people out and he's a good blocker as well. So he's, you know, very well-rounded. And Mayer, you know, likely is the number one tight end off the board. Yeah, it's interesting because, oh, man, I'm, I'm wondering if uh, DJ Anguluwe, however you say his last name, is wishing he would have crossed paths with Musgrave in his time up there in Pullman. But Musgrave, not necessarily, like, his stats don't jump off the page, but I think there's more to him that teams are seeing in the scouting process that's causing this intrigue. And that's going to be one that I'm probably going to look at the film a little bit more closely just to see how Oregon state was using him in particular, because it just, the stats don't, and this is where like, this is where scouting versus stats comes into effect. And Daniel Jeremiah talked about it a lot. And I think also, because when they had Taylor Luan on with the with the offensive lineman, he was talking about how like it used to be like all Americans used to get drafted in the first round. Now it's not the case anymore. Now there's a lot more detail that goes into what potential production is, and all of the factors are considered now, which is which well, is quite I'll, interesting. I'll give you the NFL.com, which probably uses Lance Zerline's grades yeah. or a combination of them. Luke Musgrave, 6.7. Michael I'm on Mayer. That right now. Do you agree with that? I don't. Um, but that, I mean, I definitely trust Lance Zerloin. Like earlier, um, we were talking about running backs. I was going to bring up Eric Gray. Sure. And he's got him rated as a, you know, uh, an average starter in the NFL. Okay. And people don't even have him in their top five. I'm going to touch, I'm going to trust Lance's evaluation. Eric Gray was another guy. I definitely think that people are going to be talking about when it comes to, uh, you know, your actual uh, fantasy football drafts, even redraft. Absolutely. So before I let you guys just, uh, you know, kind of pitch yourself, promote yourself, a couple other things just from the combine, just outside of fantasy football in general, Maryland, who would have thought speed university, like, Holy smokes, multiple guys just hitting those crazy marks on the 40. I was like, whoa. Like, I, I, I mean, I get the chance to watch a lot of Maryland, and they've been improving quite a bit, but, like, I I didn't know that type of speed was coming out of there. Blake Corum, holy smokes. Like, nice to see him bouncing back after his injury and just just dusting the field um, in that respect with the corners. A lot of speed in this year's combine, and it—I have a feeling it's only going to get faster um, every year. And then uh, 
uh, I love the I love the tackle out of NDSU. Just the epitome of North Dakota and everything that NDSU yeah. is. Cody Mosh just just looks like a mauler. And uh, gosh, I it, I hope that he I hope he ends up in a good situation. I'm excited to see him crack some skulls. So, but that's about it from the fantasy football side and combine side. Dave, Brad, uh, pitch yourself. Where can people follow you? Um, yeah, just give us the plug for yourself. All right. Um, SportsGuidingPodcast.com. You can find both of our written material. And Brad is Brad and I co-host the show on SGPN Fantasy Football. You can find that on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts and online. I'm at Dynasty Dorks on Twitter and TikTok. Yeah, I'm at FF Bourbon Dude. Like Dave said, you can find all our stuff at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Uh, all of those rookie draft profiles that Brandon talked about earlier, all those are being uh, posted as we speak on the website. You can also see them on my Twitter uh, and SGPN and the SGPN Twitter. That is at SGPN Fantasy, uh, as well as we're going to put them all together in kind of a concise little draft book that just has nice. those profiles in it once all of them are complete. Uh, I'm doing offensive linemen and defensive players as well for those of you who play IDP leagues and things like that. So keep your eye out for those. Those will be dropping here in the next couple weeks. Incredibly accessible content. And that's what I like to push on this show. I like looking for value where people can, where anybody can get it anywhere. And you guys provide just that. I appreciate you both for hopping on the podcast. It's been a great time having you on Talking Shop. Look forward to networking with you all in the future and hopefully have you on again sometime. Um, But yeah, in the meantime, I'm going to close this out. This has been the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. As always, you can find us on the phantomsportsindustries.com page. You can find us anywhere podcasts are found. And this is Brandon Tim signing out. Thank you all for listening. Peace.